0: I need that. I need a little, little pizzazz here in the pulpit, don't we? I mean, that's what they're doing across the nation in those TV evangelists and stuff like that. I need a backup band, dude. That's what I need. Some doo-wop singers. Oh, me. Really, it's, it's sad, but true, isn't it? That's what's going on in a lot of these places. And uh but praise the Lord. We can open up the word here and it's appreciated. And um people can say amen to the word of God and not have to connect so much with their emotions and feelings all the time. And uh we are emotional people and uh the Lord has blessed us with those things. But it is not necessary because truth is uh is the cold hard facts. And uh got all my papers set up. I killed trees today. Here we go. Get myself organized. Uh by the way, uh, just to give you an update on Pastor, he is trapped on the beach. Um, I do not know if he has gotten off. Uh he sent me a picture. I showed it to his children, let him know his mother has put him into hard labor on the beach. Uh the man was in his boots out there picking up seashells. And uh I think the next picture I uh, had two sent me in the next one. he got hit by a wave, uh so he's at least experiencing that, right, so I don't think they went for a swim uh at least not yet uh so who knows, but they are having a good time, looks like it, uh, of course, I only saw him, so I assume she's there um <laughs> but anyway yeah he uh no they uh i I'll, I'll tell you folks um they they do need to get away um it is not. Ministry is uh, is exhausting and, uh, you know, it's a tremendous um, burden you carry when you work in ministry. I, I've worked, I worked in it and uh, in the sense of day in and day out and got close uh, to pastors. And that's uh, and a lot of times when they, uh, they don't show it all the time, but they get tired and they get worn and things happen. And um, so you'd be commended as a church for getting behind that and Sending them away, and um, you know usually it's uh when bad situations happen, they said that's the you know the straw that broke the camel's back and all of that and those things do happen, but boy, if you can keep good things happening uh you will continue and sustain things um like like a man's ministry, and it has a, a tremendous uh, effect on them to know that the church is behind that. I know men like pastor will drive themselves and uh and it's and it's something they believe um they'll drive themselves and 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 they they'll say i you know i don't want to do it in the flesh but there there is some there is something to it where they drive and drive and drive and it's important it's their work ethic right they're hard workers and uh it's hard to to separate that so so appreciative of churches supporting that as they go pray for them while they're there um and And they won't, maybe he'll get off the beach and won't have to pick up any more seashells. So he can just enjoy the sunset, sunrise. Told him to take a good book, something Rick Warren, something he can enjoy. I don't think he did that. Well, we do want to get to Genesis. Genesis chapter six, a little intimidated by this passage because it is a common passage. Uh, When you get into a common passage, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, this is the kind of thing that they're going to read in children's Sunday school. And, uh, Uh, In fact, if I were smart, I would have brought some flannel graph in for you today. And um, I I will tell you, Genesis chapter 6 was probably one of the uh, things that uh, South Charlotte Baptist Academy, I'll never forget, we started school, we had the things going there, and I never imagined I would have faced what I faced. But Genesis chapter 6 was the creator of one of the biggest, I mean, I I was facing a lawsuit out of it, one of the biggest issues I have ever seen. I have never seen anybody react so hard. My wife will remember it once I... Uh, explained about it. Genesis chapter six when you teach it. Um, the Abeka book curriculum has um, a Bible you know series. And does anybody know what they use with those series? What do they use? They call them flashcards. How'd you like to use flashcards for Genesis chapter six? Okay, what we're getting ready to talk about and going into that, and 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 even more into uh, you know in the next chapter of course talking about the judgment. Uh, of God on this world and I had a lady come in and said hey listen my daughter is struggling with that what was taught and uh did not did not like it and um it was it was it was really bad you know cuz they said hey uh we we just we think this is going to mess up her psyche for the rest of her life and that kind of thing and you're thinking oh no um but it, it is one of those things that um you know it, it is a serious Uh, portion of scripture we're going to go into tonight uh, that we're going to talk about it it does talk about God's judgment on this world and that can be unsettling yes and even to children but you know children don't need to be shielded from I think about what they're exposed to every day and that's kind of what I think about I'm thinking of all the things that children are exposed to every day um, you know I'm thinking the, the Bible just clearly for what it says there uh, probably pales in violence and other things. Um, you know, they see it on TV all the time, but boy, you put it in a passage of Scripture, oh, that's nah, good to court, you know. and um, But anyway, Genesis chapter 6, I, um, we'll read verses 1 through 5 here, and um, uh, just real simple tonight as we break this down. We want, Verses 1 through 5, we're going to talk about, and verses 11 and 12, I'm going to move down and, and combine those with it. We're going to see the choice of a corrupt earth uh, and then in verses um, 6 and 7, the choice of the creator. And then in um, chapter, I mean, in verses 8 through 10 and 13 through 22, we'll cover the choice of complete obedience. Now, I just want to get started with a little introduction about or review from what we talked about before. If you remember, when we talked about what God created. What was it about? It was really about God's it was his glory and everything that he put here, he cho- he chose to put here for man and for man to enjoy. And this is the antithesis of that. This is what man chose instead of God. God, what he chose was for man. Man chose for man too. And we're going to see that here in chapter chapter 6. Of course, um, from that point, we, we did see where uh, the ungodly uh line of Cain, we did get into that. We talked about Enoch and we, we you know we went back a little ways there and uh we talked about uh, Cain and Abel even before that. And uh Cain decided to choose what he wanted and um we're gonna see the fruit of that here and and where this where this has led to. Well let's go ahead and look here in verse one, chapter six. It says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which which were of old, men of renown, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the uh, thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Skip down uh, to verses uh, 11 and 12. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. You know, when we look at this and we talk about choices here, this is the choice of a corrupt earth. This is what men were beginning to do. And the Bible says that they began to multiply. And, of course, when anything multiplies, we know that uh, problems can occur. The increase of mankind uh, can create all kinds of uh, trouble. And, uh, of course, the effect of the blessing from chapter 1 and verse 28, this was to be a blessing to see men populate the world, it's a wonderful thing. You see people, you know, they would be able to populate the earth and see that blessing come. But as with anything and with what Satan does, he's, he is going to corrupt and pervert and twist and take things into a different direction. He abused and perverted this blessing that was turned eventually into a curse. And men began to multiply and of course we know from Proverbs 29:16 that when the wicked are multiplied transgression increaseth you know we see this also as a in throughout scripture anywhere you see big population centers there's there's a there's a there's you're going to get in trouble you're going to have these issues and um you know in fact even in the even in the church, in Acts 6.1, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose up murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. You know, what did they do? What happened to these people, you know, eventually? Well, they come under persecution, and they're spread out and dispersed. Um, anytime something begins to grow and get large like that, you can, you can have problems. Isaiah 9.3 says, Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. Um, and, and that can happen. Um, You can look around and see where, when men begin to multiply anywhere. I, I you know, I think about um, during Hurricane Fran. Um, I think that's what it was when they all went to the Superdome. Does anybody remember that? They and they thought that was the safest place. That was actually the most wicked and vile and awful place you'd want to be in. It was poorly orchestrated, but they were left to themselves. Most of them just kind of self-governing, and they said more people were. Robbed, raped, beaten, or whatever inside of that building, uh, than they, you know, than anybody was on the outside. And you think, what causes that? I think about something like Sodom and Gomorrah, which would have been, you know, huge, massive cities. Uh, so many places like that. Well, when when man gets together, and and they begin to to multiply and do that, uh, and they they essentially are going to come back. Uh, to do what man wants to do, and and that 's really what this is about this is the, when we talk about uh, these these men here as they multiply, uh, we also see there in verse two that it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men uh, that they were fair, and they took them wise of all they chose and we see here that in this corrupt earth that we have the uh, you know the sons of God, the daughters of men. Now um you know as we look at this there is an opportunity here to have a real deep discourse about what could have what this could have been and there's an opportunity here and you know my my intent is to teach um uh and and spend time digging into those things but I will tell you this um if you, there are good men on both sides of that argument about you know that the sons of god uh <laughs> were angelic beings and all of that uh, I will tell you this, If as you read it, you go through it, I believe this is the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain. We have just preceding this a huge genealogy. What two lines is it covering? Seth and, and Cain, right. And um, for what purpose would there have been to allow this type of thing to go on um, if it were angelic beings and, and I will tell you, there are men to take some strong positions about these being, uh, the angels having relations with, with man. And, um, there, there are scriptures that, that when you think about it, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, when people say that they're not given in marriage, you know, when Jesus said that, that the angels are not given in marriage, they said, well, it didn't mean that they didn't, weren't given in marriage back then. And, you know, as I looked at it, I said, there is nothing that says that here. I, it, there's uh, The only thing that's referenced here are sons of God and daughters of men. And by the way, for the same reference that you have for the sons of God in places where the context is, is angels, there's also places in the context where it's it's human. And um, But they don't focus on that. The people who want to talk about the angel piece, they, they spend their time talking about that the sons of God are related uh, here to angels. And so as we look at it, um, it really comes down to mixed marriages. It comes down to the idea that they that they intermarry between the two. Um, Matthew Henry says, "...the sons of God, that is, the professors of religion, who were called by the name of the Lord and called upon that name, married the daughters of men, that is, those that were profane and strangers to God and godliness." You know there is a there are several places in the Bible where this takes place. In fact, there's one that's repeated several times uh, throughout Scripture. Is really the error and the doctrine of Balaam, if you remember. If you go back to Numbers chapter uh, 25, in fact, let's just look over there. Go to Numbers chapter 25, and um, let's look in verse seven. And um if you if you remember there was a, a problem there with Balaam not being able to do what? He wanted to curse the children of Israel. And eventually Balaam is able to uh to get from verse one of chapter twenty five there, they begin to commit whoredom there with the daughters of Moab. But in verse seven, of course, we see Phineas here, the son of Eliezer, the son of the Aaron the high priest, saw it. He rose up from under the congregation, took his javelin in his hand, and he thrust this. He thrust, he thrust both of them through. And uh, boy, you would think uh, that took care of it. It didn't. Go down to uh, all the way down to uh, verse thirty. There. I'm going too far. I'm sorry. Got the wrong reference here. Go to chapter thirty. That's where we want to go. Read my notes better. And um, as they come back, they end up spending their. Uh, they 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 go on and like the children of Israel do, um, you know. He tells them to to go. They tell them to go in. Of course, I'm, I'm missing, this is not the reference either here that I'm looking for, but he ends up. Moses sends them back in and tells them to pick. And one of you will probably find in a minute, but it's where he picks a thousand per tribe. And he sends them back in. And he says, go kill them. Well, they come back with the Midianites' uh, wives. That's what they bring back. And, and he tells them, he said, why did you do this thing? And he says, you know, you're going to have to, they're, they're, God commanded these to be wiped out. And he does. They wipe them out eventually. And, but they, they have this affinity with this. And, and, of course, Solomon in 1 Kings eleven four. what drew his heart away? Pagan wives, um, the returning exiles in Ezra nine. It was pagan pagan people that end up taking uh, intermarrying, and they have to deal with that. In fact, they got to deal with it a couple times, even during Nehemiah's time. And there's a temptation there, and to continue to to reach out and 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 make this choice and you know, they don't really fear God. They don't look from like from Proverbs chapter one, verses 20, verse 24 on there, uh, particularly where he says, uh, because I have called and ye have refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye set it not all, all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind when distress and anguish cometh upon you then shall they call on me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And they they don't fear God. They, they do, and what to, uh, appeals to them, we see there it says, the sons of God saw the daughters of man, that they were what? Fair. They chose based on sight. They chose based on what they wanted. And when they did that, of course, they they moved away from what God would want for their life. And so in verse three, there it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his uh yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Eventually, you know, Hosea four seventeen, speaking about Ephraim, said Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. God can just say, We're done, and and be done with them. Of course, um, you know the spirit itself um, reaches out, has that opportunity there to to work in the lives of people, but the spirit can withdraw that agency and withdraw that abil- that 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 desire Of course, once that happens, that's it, and their their hearts are hardened even further and so God is not going to strive with man anymore we're're we're, we're done with that. And um, he's he's gonna um, draw his day his days will be 120. Uh, by the way, that that is kind of where people get the hundred years for Noah building the ark. Um, when I looked at uh, if I pulled up Ham's site about this, you know, on, on the ark encounter, and he he says it's not a hundred years. It's probably about 70 um, when you look at the time period and all that. And I and I I trust I've read several men through that, and the ones that said 100 just kind of ballparked it, and the ones that the other ones were pulling genealogies and looking at things, and the life of Shem. Shem gives away his age, and there's some some opportunity there. You get a chance to look that up as good, but it's 120 years. God marks it, and he tells them, hey, look, in 120 years, this is it. This is what's going to happen. Um, and then we see here in verses um, 4 and 5 a couple interesting things. It says, of course, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And, um, of course, you think about verse 4 there. Um, these are giants. Think about the, the here, you know, we think about pre-flood. Uh, the oxygen content is rich uh, in the air. If you believe, you know, of course, there's a, that, that idea of the canopy theory that would also Support this. There'd be a lot of things that were big during this time. There would be animals, plants. I I think it'd be great to have seen what the fruit and the yield was during that time. Um, I think it would be. I think the state fair at that time would have been an interesting thing to have watched. You know, what would the ribbon be like? You know, bring in the crane, put the ribbon on the top of the melon, we'll be done with it. You know, and and that's that's one of the things that during this time these are these are great. These are mighty people here, and, um, but also notice that the same became mighty men, which were old men of renown. And yet in verse 5, it says, God saw that the wickedness of man was what? Was great. Now think about that. It says he, it was great. Connect that with verse 4 and what's going on at the very end of verse 4. What type of people are we talking about? Great men, men of renown. Did it say spiritual men? No. You see, even good people or maybe smart people or maybe people with, you know, world's wisdom, they can they can be men of renown, they can be great men. And the idea here, look in verse five, it, it makes, it, the next phrase is that the wickedness was what? Great, it was great. I've got a. Um, where's that here? Now this this is an article I, from Ham's site. I pulled these 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 couple articles here, and I really had them for when I was going to talk about when Noah is building the ark, but they fit here too, and um, and, and I'll see if you can make the connection here. Uh, man's pre-flood uh, potential. And he, he talks about, he says, ever wondered what man could have accomplished in the 1,600 years before the flood? And his challenge is, could Noah have built this massive ship? Could he have done all this? But he brings up a couple good things. He says, consider this simple historic pro- historical progression. In the 1500s, mining was on the upswing and a big problem. A big problem was water would flood the tunnels. A simple suction pump um, solved this, except curiously, the pump did not lift water any higher than 32 feet. In 1630, Baliani presented this problem to Galileo, who was joined in 1641 by Torricelli, Torricelli suspected the answer had to do with air pressure, and he invented the mercury barometer to prove it. Then 1675 came along, and French astronomer Picard, using uh, Torricelli's barometer, noticed that it glowed when shaken. Uh, Hawksby, a pupil of Newton, discovered the glow with static electricity, which led to the invention of a basic battery that enabled Orsted to electrify a wire and produce a magnetic field. From this, Sturgeon invented the electromagnet which enabled Faraday to generate the electricity that then von Helmholtz used to activate a tuning forge which inspired Alexander Graham Bell in 1875 to invent the telephone. So if you look at this, there from 1630 to 1875 is 245 years, allowing an average lifespan of 70 years, we have little over three generations, which would only equal about one quarter of the lifespan of our pre-flood builder, Noah. Now, I say that to say this, and I use that early to do this. That's true with everybody else. They're living long. They're men of renown. They are smart. They've got, and by the way, when you connect up the next phrase, let's read that out again, and that every imagination of what? The thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let that hit you for a moment. If we could have had from that period of 245 years, we get Alexander Graham Bell and a telephone out of somebody just playing with water. Can you imagine in a quarter of a lifespan what people could do back then, where they would be? I mean, just think about if their thoughts were evil continually and that's all they dwelled on. You know, if you go and you look at crimes, you know, you talk to people, deal with people in crime and stuff, people long before they commit an act, they do what? They plan it out. Where do they plan it? And they've entertained it. It's been a thought in their mind somewhere. Can you imagine what these criminals are like? There are people who sit in jail and learn a lot, don't they? They learn a lot of the bad things. And uh, when they come out, they come out smarter, men of renown. They're great, and they have the capacity to do horrible things. That's powerful. Think about what Noah in this time, the, the, the choice of a corrupt earth is to do one thing, think evil. Think wrong. Think in every imagination, everything that I can come up with. When they woke, that's what they thought about. Of course, we know the the scripture here from Romans 1 says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but came vain in their their imagination, darkened. You know, one of the commentators said, they did not do evil through mere carelessness, as those that walk at all adventures, not heeding what they do, but they did evil deliberately and designedly. And that's exactly what's going on here. They are, they are completely wrapped up in this. And in verses 11 and 12, we see here, if you skip down there, it says the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with what? Violence. Well, I'll tell you this, when people choose their own way, they get violent. You know how I know that? In the scriptures, the very first place somebody chose their their own way in the sense of bringing their offerings to God, they chose to do what? Mm-hmm. They tried. They chose to kill a family member. They chose to kill. They chose to murder. That's Cain. That's that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the ungodly line of Cain, and they're acting just like uh, their their granddaddy here. And so, um, by the way, men like that, you know, think about Herod when he thought Christ would be in the area of Bethlehem. What'd he do? He's killing toddlers and babies. That's violent. That's vicious. Why? Because it threatened him, right? And uh, think about uh, a man like you know, Nimrod, a hunter of men. Uh, just violence is, is, is really what comes out of this. Um, <laughs> the temptation to do violence during this time would have been very strong. There would have been lawlessness, no government. You know, I'll tell you this, it, it matches our time. This is an article called 20 Liberal Calls for Violence Against Conservatives, in quotes. Right after uh, Rep- Republican Steve Scalise was shot yesterday, this is from when he was shot, here's the, here's the statements. The only good fascist is a dead one. That's a shame, but baby's blown to blit- bits. The Sandy Hook was worse, and Scalise takes money from the, the NRA. Um, i got to be careful because some of these have... Pretty vile. Um, if the shooter has a serious health condition, then is taking pot shots at the GOP leadership considered self-defense? Um, speaking about Michelle Bachmann and somebody from here, her slit your wrist. Go ahead. Or do us all a better thing, move that knife up about two feet. Stop right at the collarbone. I have zero doubt that if Dick Cheney was not in power, people wouldn't be dying needlessly tomorrow. I'm just saying if he did die, other people, more people, would live. That's a fact. That was Bill Maher said that, rightwingnews.com article. Um... Here's one from the Post. I know how the Tea Party feel, the anger, venom, and the bile that many of them showed during the recent House vote on health care reform. I know because I want to spit on them. Take one of their um, Obama-planned white slavery signs and knock every racist and homophobic tooth out of their Cro-Magnon heads. That's a writer for the Post. And then there's Rumsfeld, who said of Iraq, we have our good days and our bad days. We should put him up against the wall and say this is one of our bad days and pull the trigger. Republicans don't believe in their imagination, but partly because so few of them have one, but mostly because it gets in the way of their chosen work, which is destroy the human race and the planet. Human beings who have imagination can see a recipe for disaster in the making. And their goal in life is to profit from disaster, don't care about humans, which is why I believe personally that they should be exterminated before they cause any more harm. That's from the Village Voice's Michael Feingold. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. This is a wicked place. And, And by the way, I bring that up because this is Sunday school compared to what Noah's going through. He's facing the choice of a corrupt earth. At least these comments are pointed at high profile people. How would you like to be alone? How'd you like to be the only family? How about you come to Lighthouse by yourself? That's a scary reality. How'd you like the evening news to be about you? How'd you like to believe that someone would target you and your family? I think about what they're going through, the 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 world they're living in. You think it's bad? I mean, you get bad, you get mad, you can turn off the news. But I'm gonna tell you something. Everybody knew where Noah lived. Everybody knew what was going on. Uh, I th- this is powerful when you really start to digest it. He's living in a violent world, in a wicked world. We see the violence, and like I said, this would be Sunday school in comparison to where he's living. Verse 12, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. This earth made a choice. That leads us to verses 6 and 7. This is the choice of the creator. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse 6, you know, it starts out that it repented the Lord. Um, when you look into the scriptures, we know that the Lord, in several cases, you know, man is when when man is penning this. Of course, you can connect with the emotion that that certainly man feels during this. Amos two thirteen says, "Behold, I am pressed under you as a cart that is pressed that is full of sheaves." Speaking of sin, um, in Isaiah forty three twenty four, "Thou hast bought me." No sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. Ezekiel 6, 9, And they that escape of you shall remember, uh, remember me among the nations, whither they shall be carried captives, because I am broken with their whorish heart. Um, Psalms 95, Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, And said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. And this is where, when we talk about things like this, the Calvinist has got to have some struggles, right? Jesus said that he would have gathered them. Remember, he was weeping over Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The greatest act of a sovereign is choice. You are not truly sovereign if you force your subjects. If you force a compliance. He gave them a choice. That's not the evidence of a flawed God. That's that's the evidence of a God who is willing to allow man to make a choice. Yeah, but they made the wrong choice and he knew it was going to happen. It's still a choice. And I want to stop right here. And I'll ask you a question. I want you to think about it. Don't answer. Don't answer out loud. What would have happened had Noah's family compromised and not done right? Would God be right in destroying the whole world? Would he still be God? Would God have made a mistake? These are these are questions that, as you think about that word "repented," that's where people start to go. They start thinking, "Well, God made a mistake. He couldn't control this. He couldn't. Do- God would not seek to control it. He sought to give man the choice. He wants man to. He wants man to choose the right way. But had even Noah chose it, I'm going to tell you." God could have wiped this planet out and still been just and holy and righteous and good and everything that God, we believe he is today. That is so important to grasp out of this. The idea of this word repented has nothing to do with some de- deficiency in God. It has everything to do with the deficiency in man, change. In this way is is not that God had some kind of struggle. When we talk about emotions and, and things, um, God is not wrestling over this in the sense of that he's made this this hard mistake and he's struggling how to deal with it. No, God is changing how he operates with man. Matthew Henry says the point is that God does change how he deals with human beings from time to time based on human circumstances, typically the sins and failings of human beings. When humans fail, God does feel a deep level of emotion and grieves that humans consistently make decisions that cause them to suffer. The key is understanding the difference between repentance on the human level, typically changing from sinful behavior to righteous behavior, and repentance on God's level, changing how he deals with humanity as a result of the behavior and decisions of human beings. So I'll say that again. There's a difference between me who repents for doing something wrong because I'm going from sinful behavior to righteous behavior in that I'm repenting of the sin. There's a difference, though, if you think about it from your home. You know, when I come home, I I don't grab Caleb up and say, you just come here, boy. I'm going to whip you and just tear you up. I mean, we're gonna you you deserve a spanking, and we're gonna do it. That, that would just be kind of surreal, wouldn't it? Caleb would. What's going on now? If I come home and Caleb's done something to deserve a spanking, what did did I when I came home? Did I come home thinking that way? Because I, I mean, obviously, I think everybody. I hope you do agree. That I don't like come home and do that. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. You know, when I come home and there's Caleb, man, I love Caleb. I, I, don't, I don't want to see anything, you know, you know I, I don't think, man, I would love to get my belt right now. Or, you know, no, I don't think that. But Caleb does something that he's not, I'm sorry, Caleb, swear, this is just the price of being, you know, whoever speaking's child. But he does something that he shouldn't. What changes my behavior, right? I change because I know that's what I need to do to provide what is just and right. You know, policemen, contrary to opinion, police do not ride down the road thinking, man, I could shoot that guy. Man, he'd be a good one to shoot. Hey, hey, you want to get a donut and then, rafters if you just go out and shoot these people? He'll do that. But you go just like this, and you go for your you go to your side just like that. What's going to happen? Now you're going to make a lot of money. Um, now you're going to get shot. <laughs> you know, it always ends up in a, a court somewhere. You know, somebody says, "Well, I was reaching for my cell phone like this." <laughs> okay, and you are dead, like that. It's a change. It's a turn. It's a turning away. Not from something that God made a mistake on. Because if God destroys all of humanity right now, at this point, he's still God. And and that's important for us to grasp as we think about the choice of the creator. Think about what it must have meant, though, in the grief when he says, I will do what? Say it with me. I will destroy. Say it again. I will destroy whom I have what? Created. You see, God did not say "In, in, in that because he created it, that he couldn't destroy it. He can destroy it. He can remove it. And, you know... Man cannot become presumptuous on that. The potter can do what he likes with the clay. If he created it, he can take it away. And so he, he's, going to, he's made that decision. And in the midst of this, we see what's going on with a corrupt earth. We've seen what's going on with what the creator is now responding to here. And in the midst of this, you got this little family and there in verses 8 through 10 we see here that the choice of complete obedience in spite of all this by the way Noah if God wipes this place out and you're found righteous you know is he it, do you think that he's going to have anything to fear worse than what he's going through right now I think about the fact that Enoch got translated. I bet Noah's thinking, man, any day now. Any day now. It says in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Doesn't it tell you a lot about God that he examines the character of every individual? That he is not, we cannot be deists, we can't believe that he's aloof, that he's distant, that he's not a part of our lives, and he's not interested in us on a personal level. That he he looks at this, and for all of his displeasure against the world, he has strictly examined one man's character. The fact that the character of every person there is also pronounced universally corrupt. There's one man, God finds him out and smiles upon him and bestows his grace. What a wonderful thing. You know, Noah, no doubt, did not gain the favor of men in the eyes of men. No doubt they hated and persecuted him for what he represented. Hey, we live in a world today where (laughs) you wear a shirt, I mean, Brandon, I don't think you mind me telling this, but, you know, you put a bumper sticker on, people riding up beside you, upset, mad, some statement you've got on your vehicle, come out, find it keyed possibly, somebody shaking their fist, I can't imagine what Noah's going through. In verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Think about it. When the rest of the whole world... yeah, Hey, if you're... Listen, kids, this has been great. Well, everybody else is doing it. That would have been right. That would have been a true statement. Everybody else is doing it. Yes, they are. You know, that one time the parents had to say, yes, they are. And I realized that, you know, I realized there's probably, by the way, I think some people have estimated it could have been as big as what we have now. I mean, just, just think of it's a few billion people and you're it. By the way, I mean, you're out of style. I'm sure at that point, you know, it's got to be hard. And it says that he was a just man. Um, Hebrews 11, 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He was justified. He was perfect. Not with the sinless perfection, but the perfection of sincerity of his love for the Lord, just like Job was, shoot evil. The Bible says that he walked with God. What a special designation there. You know, he was not only honest, but devout. He walked and he acted with God as, as though God had him right under his very eyes. He lived a life of communion with God and he conformed himself to God's will in spite of what was going on around him. Verse 10 there says, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And God said unto Noah, let's skip down to verse 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And, um, you know, he, 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 God treats him just God said unto Noah, by the way, this would be reminiscent of in chapter 18 and verse 17, when he says, shall I hide this thing from Abraham? He is that close to Noah. And they have that kind of relationship. Psalms 25, 14 says the secret of the Lord is with those that what? Fear him. Hebrews 11, seven pointed out that he feared God. You know Why? because he believed that when God said something, he meant it, and that he would follow through with it. And he listened. And then he's getting ready to tell him something. By the way, all of that to say this, verse 14. Ready, Noah? Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all the flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Now you think about, by the way, you told him to put one window in there. Can you imagine being with all those animals and you only get one window? I, I don't know, that's that's pretty bad. Uh, but he gets one window, <laughs> but it stayed open. Um, but um, storming out there, leave it open, leave it open, right? Um, so, you know, as, as he's given specific instruction here, and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think about what he's facing. I, I Think about the turmoil that it was to deal with people and have to face all of the persecution that he faced. And then God says, got something for you, Noah. And Noah says, okay, I'm ready. Yes, Lord. And he says, build an ark. So we're going to take a really bad situation where people hate you already, and now we're going to make a giant three- or four-story building as a massive billboard that says, God's going to judge you. You will die, right that always helps that'll be that wouldn't that be great? I mean with the news media, they would love to hear that c n n you could man they they would probably help you with your message and things like that. but I can imagine that these people um did not like him building an ark right, and that he would have suffered persecution with this, and that he would have went he would have went through it but you know what that is um <laughs> That's all up to God. Job 11:10 says if he cut off, shut up, or gather together, who can hinder him? It's, a, it's God's choice, right? And you know what Noah said? Let's do it. And, um, and he, he puts it together. Verse 18, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of creeping thing after its kind, um, of two of every sort shall it come to thee to keep them alive, and take unto thee all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according all to God, commanded him, so did he. And so he was given particular instructions. Um, he recognized that God designed this. I'm going to build it, and uh of course, you know, there is, uh, during this period, he's he's no doubt preaching and using this time as a testimony to a lost and dying world where they would have watched this be erected, this going up and seeing this ark put up. And um, this ark would have possibly stood for some time completed. And then, you know, here it is, God, eventually, every all the animals go in, everything is moved that way. And Noah is, of course, allowed to uh, finally be saved, him and his family. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that um, Matthew Henry uh, is looking at there. He says, when God gives warning of approaching judgments, it is our wisdom and duty to provide accordingly. You know, Exodus 9.20 says, He that feareth the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle to flee into the houses. (laughs) When you you were living during that time when God was judging Egypt, and if uh you know you want to keep things alive and god says i'm going to destroy it and you know in the sense of if it's out there uh here it is in exodus 920 um it just says he that feared the word of the lord among the servants of pharaoh <laughs> think about it. the servants of pharaoh were like hey just get the, get everything inside cuz this is getting ready to happen i'm telling you this man is like he is he's on it you know you know and 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 they They understood that. Ezekiel 3.18 says, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, because it's going to happen. And of course, you know it says, but his blood will I require at thine hand. You better know that's going to happen. You know, judgment is sure. Our responsibility and the unsaved responsibility is still there. And, you know, also there... um, you know the you know when we think about what what he you know the the- the preparation for this and bringing this together, you know proverbs eighteen ten says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and is safe and um you know isaiah twenty six twenty and twenty one talks about entering into our chambers um uh, you know the idea is is that god there there is an appointment here unto death and these things are going to happen and as he went into that ark by the way what a picture of salvation there was only what how many ways one way and his family saved in the midst of it and the idea that it was sealed by god and noah couldn't do anything there he just he goes in and um you know as he as he's built the ark by the way there was effort on his part there was fruit of his belief there but um, as intended for a warning to a careless war- world, it was a fair warning of the deluge coming. You think about every blow of the axe, every hammer that fell, just a call to repentance. And, of course, he was there preaching. And, um, you know, as, as we think about this, you know, Hebrews eleven seven, he's there. He's warning this world, and it condemned the world. When, he, when he's up there building that ark, it's condemning the world. But they had a choice, didn't they? They could go in. They all they had to do was believe. I mean, all they had to do was go in the ark. They didn't believe. They didn't choose it. That's the choice. It's the choice to serve by the way, that's why people say, Well, I'll get saved one day at my time when I you know. No, you won't. No you won't. Judgment will come if you wait and I think about the fact that here, here these people are loading up in the ark and people probably mocking and scoffing and thinking it's funny and then judgment comes and that's the way this world is and that's where we live and you know what I don't see here from Noah is a callous spirit I see here a man who made a choice to live for God who did something that was extreme in building this ark, who took a huge chunk of his life to do it, and as he did those things, I see him patiently enduring and taking it one day at a time. You know, it won't be a tent revival that does it, folks. I'm sorry, I hate to disappoint you, and I know we haven't put up one, but it's not a tent revival that's going to do it. It's going to be, and by the way, I don't know what your arc is, but when you stand for the Lord and you do us right as a believer and you follow him, you're, you're going to draw persecution and even more so in the days to come. As you witness and you're a testimony for him, it's going to be hard. But I can promise you this, and, and it says that as the days of Noah were, right? So shall it be during, you know, in the latter times, but I, I We haven't even experienced that yet. Let us be found faithful. Let us make the right choice. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is. That's what Noah would tell you. I just made a choice. They chose that. I chose this. They chose themselves. I chose God. By the way, if you want what's best for yourself, you choose God. That's the paradox, right? So with that said, let's pray. We'll we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing of it. And Lord, bless our time now as we enter to our prayer time. And uh, Lord, just thank you so much for all that you do for us and what you provide for us. Lord, we have great liberties. We have great opportunities. Uh, Lord, I think about the, uh, just the, <laughs> the world that we live in. Yes, it's violent. It's wicked. It's hard. Um, help us to make the right choice. And uh, Lord, thank you so much for this time now as we gather around Thy word. Bless our time now and the prayer time to come. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.